What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we're Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Atlanta's own lives, huh, Graham? We're still alive. That's that's good to know. I'm sure a lot of the users were perplexed. About wondering what's going on. As well as I was perplexed myself. Mm. Um, but we're back. Again. With a vengeance. We need to t- we've taken a few too many breaks. I think we're getting we lazy. Yeah. Yeah, the holidays stop, sometimes will Stop do going that. to Baltimore, Graham. I know. I need to stop going to Baltimore. You've been to Baltimore twice in a month? Yes. In, a, in under a month. That's too many times. It's, it's ridiculous. So. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I've traveled out, but I will be going out of town probably two more times before the year is over. That's like three weeks. Yes. What's around the holidays? No one's going to be doing anything. Well, we, we, we have an obligation, Graham. We, we, can, we can always do the remote show. You, you're, you're very anti trying to do that. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Just me sitting up here by myself. Holding your uh, schmuckle. <laughs> <laughs> Staring at you out of sky. It feel, feel weird. feel like we're getting ready for some like weird internet porn thing. Or like a job interview online. I hate that. I did that one time, and I was like, this is bullshit. Yeah. I'd rather just go in. More of a face-to-face guy. Yeah, I don't like this. Net, this uh, te- Internet. Te- Internet sucks. Technology sucks. It's all it's all a bunch of bullshit yeah. at the end of the day. Um, but I think we have a lot to catch up on. We do have a lot to catch up on. Last time we talked, uh, not to each other, but to the users, we were kind of getting a little more positive about the, about the Falcons, and then <laughs> uh, we went and just shit the bed all over again. Um, yeah, we might have gotten ahead of ourselves there. Well, we were a little tempered in our expectations. You know, we, we had said that, you know, if, you know, Quinn's pretty much got it, we have to get this type of performance week in and week out, and that just hasn't happened. Um, hasn't been. Which I don't understand why, why it changes from week to week. There's a number of factors, matchups. Uh, you don't know. Either. I really don't know. I'm just, <laughs> but, but the matchup does, you know, does imp- impact you. I mean, it's a hell of a lot easier to. Well, you know we what? Played it, the Bucks. It, well, you're right. Yeah, it's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. I don't know what it is. And then we played the Saints again, and we yeah. had just beaten the Saints. We had just beaten the Saints, but the Saints are really good, and you knew they were going to be ready for that game, probably more so than the first game was. We were coming in there one and seven, you know, like a five game losing streak. But right. the Bucks is it's ridiculous. We have no home field advantage with, with Dan Quinn. He's like 19 and 18 at home his, his entire career, um, and loves to lose to underperforming teams like the Bucks, like the Colts. Um, you name it, Titans. the Titans. You name it, it'll happen. It's possible. Uh, where, where do we want to start, Adam? There's been a lot that's been going on, and most of it has been bad news with the exception of uh, our probably our favorite organization, the Atlanta Braves. Well, we, I, I did say before the show the Braves, but we mm-hmm. just kind of started the Falcons. Okay. So let's, let's just, just, let's just roll with the Falcons. get into that shit. Okay. Horrible loss to Tampa Bay. Not even just... You know, it's one thing if you lose at home and it's a close game and you lost in the last second field goal. We lost by, like, 13 points to these guys. Inexcusable performance. Um, the, the D, it looked like Dan Quinn, even though it, it wasn't supposedly wasn't true, but it looked like he had taken over play calling again with the way that it looked like the uh, you know defense was moving around pre-snap and that they weren't moving around away to, to, to stunt blitzes or to mess with uh, you know, Jameis or, or, you know, mass coverage, it looked more like how it did in prior weeks where no one knew their assignment and they were looking around like, what the fuck's going on? I don't know what happened in between, you know, the Panthers game 
to the Bucks game, but it wasn't pretty. Well, that game also started out, if I recall, started out positively. We had a couple picks of Jameis early on, and it kind of seemed like, yeah, oh, we're, we're, we're rolling again. Yeah. And, yeah, we started out well and then just sort of all cascaded downhill again. And it's it's just very strange how this this team operates. I'm it's 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 just sort of being a dead horse at this point. And and you know what? But one thing from this game that was hilarious that reminded me a lot of when we did suck uh, in the past, which has been many times. Uh, a Tampa Bay defensive tackle catches a touchdown in an Atlanta building. Warren Sapp did that to us. I think like thirteen or fourteen years they ago. They do that to us every year. Yeah, and then Vita Vea goes in with his big ass and gets into the end zone. It's it was just embarrassing. Yeah, and the, the, I felt bad for I, f- I feel bad for these season ticket holders. They're, they're actually there seemed to be a little bit of energy back. In, yeah, it looked like by like the, this, the second quarter, you know, it looked pretty f- relatively full. People were making noise on third down. I was like, okay, this is, this is nice to see progress. And yeah, then, and then it was all just shit away. Only bright spot once again in that game was a uh, young way coup. Yeah, he did well in that game. Um, he's still well overall, even though I know he missed an extra point of field goal in the Thanksgiving game against the Saints. But, yeah, Chris Goblin crushed us in that game, man. That was uh, 184 yards, two touchdowns. Oh, yeah, this was the game we watched at your house all depressed, right? Yes. We were just sitting there, and I think we were just laughing at, by the third or fourth quarter just because it was just so far gone at that point. Got excited for a few moments, but it's been a really uh, sobering season, Graham. Yeah, there's not much to be – excited about looking forward either it's it's um you know once we came out and just shit the bed against tampa bay it was abundantly clear that this is this is the end for dan quinn it has to be and and thomas dimitroff especially i agree and i'm finally in full-on let's move out yeah lose out mode yes but now that i'm in that mode i'm sure we'll win a couple of these next four games i'm sure we'll go seven and uh well i don't think we'll go seven i don't think we'll beat san francisco but we'll probably be six and ten we got, we got Jacksonville. We got um, Carolina. We just fired their coach, which is interesting. I know they have a new owner, and I know Rivera hasn't you know been the you know the best coach in the world. But they did win three straight division titles in 2013 through 2015. Oh, so and a Super Bowl. You're a team hire Ron no, Rivera. No, because I mean I think there was there were certainly issues there, but you know his team played pretty well when they lost Cam initially. You know they hung around. And they took they, they went to the Superdome and almost beat the Saints. I mean, it came down to their kicker just missing like a twenty three yard kick, and it's not like they haven't been fighting their asses off. I know they lost to us too, which probably didn't look too good. But it's interesting that their owner um, it was just maybe he was just ready to get his own guy because he inherited Ron Rivera and whatnot. But you know, it's it's just funny to me how Arthur won't move on. I thought after the Saints loss, that would be a perfect time to say, okay, Raheem Morris, give it a go. You know, interim coach will evaluate at the end of the season just because that's like the, the you know the equivalent of a bye week after you lose that Thanksgiving game to the Saints. You got you know more than a week off at that point. We've got Jacksonville this week. No, we have Carolina, oh, Carolina this week. Carolina this week. We play, I think, then the 49ers in Jacksonville, and then uh, I, I think if we lose to Jacksonville, they'll yeah. fire him one week before the season ends. Just no point. I mean, the the only the time I can remember that happening is when Arthur um, was told uh, Dan Reeves that he was getting rid of him at the end of the season during the lost Mike Vick torn ACL year. There's, and, no, and, there's and, been another time recently uh, for the Falcons. I think when 
Was it Coach Jamora Jr. when he was fired? I it think might was, have been the week before. I think he was fired after the season was over. I just remember like one of our longtime like wide receivers coach coaching the very last game, and you were I were you and I were there at the Georgia Dome. Maybe that was with Jim Moore too. That might have been. Coach. I think you're right. You're right. Jim Moore was also, and it was the go. week before. Yeah, and we actually went out there and just kicked ass. That was like Algie Crumpler's last game. Yeah. Um, so maybe it was like on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve or something. It was an it was an odd it was an odd event because we put like shit the whole season and then there's Algie Crumpler just doing his thing. So maybe that's um, Uncle Arthur's style. Maybe Smitty went to the end. Um, who knows? It, it's 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 more than time. I mean, you look you look at where Quinn is, and something that was interesting that Roddy White was saying in an interview on the Athletic with Jeff Schultz was. You know, he thought that the amount of coaching changes because he's still pretty close with folks on the team. Sure, he thinks the amount of coaching changes has hurt because no one can get into sort of a rhythm, um, and there's not like an established base of how to go about things because you're rotating a lot of guys in and out. Um, and then you know he says he likes you know Dan a lot, but he also says there's a leadership void in the locker room, which is interesting because there's a lot of veteran, and this is just his opinion. But it's interesting to think about that because there's a lot of, you know, you would think veteran players. You got Matt Ryan, you got Julio Jones, Alex Mack, um, guys like that. But um, notice how all those, those those players are on offense, and you look at at defense. Like, who's your veteran leader? Adrian Claiborne is going to be gone after this year. Ricardo Allen. Ricardo probably. Allen, I guess. But you know, it's, Grady's stepping into that role. Grady's probably stepping into that role, but there is no. You know, we, we don't have a Dwight Freeney type. We don't have a guy who's, or even you know, a person that had been on the team for a while who was still really good, like you know, John Abraham uh, near the end of his career. Dwight Freeney, right? But I'm saying a guy who's been there for a while, who's, oh, like, sure. who's like entrenched in the culture and how to how to go about yeah. things in the locker room. And I thought that you know was eye opening as well because it seemed like there was a lot of uh, at the beginning of the season, especially when people were asking well, what's going on, and everyone was like, "Well, I don't know. We're all you know we're all there. We all love Dan Quinn. We're all doing our best, and blah blah blah." And then it's like it's like Grady, you're doing well, or Julio, you're doing well, but what what about you know other guys on the team? And they sort of deflect. They wouldn't you know they, it really didn't uh, step up and, and say anything really definitive about that, which I think open some eyes and then Roddy saying what he said to Jeff Schultz about how there is a leadership void in the locker room seemed to sort of uh, validate uh, you know that apparent lack of, of leadership that was perceived at the beginning of the season so well, something's got to happen overall like there needs to be I don't know if scorched earth is the right way to go about it but there needs to be major changes in order to not only fill that leadership void however you do it but just across the board yeah, I feel like that the coaching the coaching the coaching uh, turnover point is probably pretty fair. I mean, it's just been, and he's been here for what five years. Yeah, he's and had it, three defensive coordinators. He had Richard Smith, Dan Quinn, Marquand Manuel. So that's three. You've had and now Raheem Morris, Jeff Ulbrich. Right, and Raheem Morris, Jeff Ulbrich. So that's, yeah, that's four or five if you you know count that battery as you know two separate people, which they are offensive coordinators. Uh, Shanny. Was Shanny first? Yeah, he was first. Shanny first, uh, America's hero, Steve Sark, Fusion. and then Dirk Cutter. And also Brian Cox on the defensive line, who was that one guy who would call people out on their shit. And, you know, the line has never been amazing, ever, for the Falcons collectively. But there was something to be said 
I think, you know, he was the line coach when Vic Beasley had 14 sacks or however many sacks it was. You know, he probably helped Grady Jarrett develop a hell of a lot too. And now and then he's gone. And you've had guy you've had turnover in other areas too on, you know, secondary coaches and Keith Armstrong leaving and things like that, new special teams guys. So yeah. I think that's fully valid. You need to have some sort of stability. If you keep changing I don't know. I don't know what the fuck to say about this team anymore. It's just yeah. another. It's just another strike against them. We're uh, mediocrity now, Graham. Yeah, that's where we're gonna sit. I don't see a, a big, massive turnaround coming. No, and next you, year. No, and you think about Thomas Dimitrov, especially his failure as a general manager, particularly in the draft. Um, uh, if he doesn't go, something's. He's got dirt he's, on our. Yeah, team. he's got something out of. Yeah, he, he's already had his one chance, like surviving the downfall of Smitty. Yeah, and it hasn't gotten any, you know. Better with Queen than we've drafted some decent, you know, some good players. But collectively, if you look at Thomas's entire career, it's like the only time he, I think I can only name two people that he's drafted on a defensive line that have actually been worthwhile, and that's uh, Corey Peters from way back when. Who wasn't even like a great player, but he's you know solid enough for us. And I think the uh, late two thousands, I think two thousand ten or eleven, and then you had um, Grady. That's it. You don't think Jonathan Babineau was a Jonathan Babineau was a Rich McKay guy. Oh yeah, yeah, he was a Rich McKay player. You just got that knowledge on the top of your head. I do because he was he he was you know playing in the Mike Vick era, and that was Rich McKay. Okay, so um, but that's it. That's the only two guys like he's drafted. Yeah, like can you think of anyone else who has been like a a really good contributor consistently on the defensive line? Uh, no. Yeah. Off, I can't. Yeah. Offensive line. Who do you got? Like draft. Jake Matthews, I guess, who's He's getting crushed this average. year. Yeah. yeah. Um, we don't know what we have in the rookies still. No. I, I saw where uh, McGarry is rated. He's given up the most sacks of any uh, tackle in the league. Yeah. It's It's been incredible that a team that spent so much fucking money to to help its offensive line – Matt Ryan's going to get sacked more times this year than he got sacked last year. Sacked nine times in the Saints game, bringing the season total to 38. He was sacked 42 times last year. He's at 38 with, what, four games left to play? Mm. He's going to, he's, I mean, he's going to get to 50. Poor bastard. I mean, I would. Oh, and that's with missing a game. And that's with missing a game. Probably because his offensive line sucks. Um, you know, and that's forced us to go out because he's failed in the draft. That forced us to go out and get, you know, Carpenter and Brown, who have been subpar and we're locked into long deals with them. They are like the Paul Solii and Tyson Jackson near the end of Smitty's tenure, mm-hmm. where we had those guys come in and we thought, we're going to get tougher on the defensive line. They didn't do shit. And now these guys aren't really doing shit. And it's, and it's like, fool me once, you know, whatever. So this what is you, the same thing, but it's just switching lines. So what do you do, Graham? You clean house. No one in the personnel department should ever be allowed back in Flowery Branch ever again. You get Thomas out. You get Quinn out. And then you think about what is the right thing to do with the current personnel. And you're probably going to have to endure at least one year more of bullshit. And the problem with that is is that Matt and Julio aren't getting any younger. And I'd say that, you know, as much as I, I love Matt, um, you know, I'd say two or three of those sacks in the Saints game are probably his fault. But I also wonder why we're not taking a more of a Tom Brady approach, particularly when Julio and Hooper are out to have a back in the flat or something for a dump down when we know that Matt's getting killed. 
especially by, uh, you know, Cameron Jordan, the, the Saints defensive end, had four sacks in the game. We did nothing to really chip or help there. Four sacks? Yeah, he had four sacks by himself. Holy shit. So it's like, why didn't why wasn't Cutter thinking that, you know, get Cutter's old backwards ass out of here too. Like, why wasn't Cutter saying, okay, we got to get a back in the flat or a back, you know, a little above the offensive, or not above, but, you know, a little in front of the offensive line just, just to dump down when, when Matt's getting crushed like this? It seemed like, you know, we're taking – you know, it's like Matt was dropping back, looking around. He couldn't find anything, or he was just, or he was just crushed. And it was like, why can't we have a back in the flat? Why can't we do take the Tom Brady approach? Sometimes it just it's just befuddling. You know who I want to hire? Who right now? Who's probably supremely underqualified, mm. but I've seen one interview of him, and he's got amazing jeans. Uh, Bill Belichick's son, who is the. Uh, like safety coach for the Patriots. Yeah, he's right on now. the Patriots. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard an interview with this guy? No. Does he sound like his? He's Bill Belichick. Okay. Unbelievable at evading very reasonable questions. Just talks like this the whole time. Football guy through and through. Grew up just watching football with Bill Belichick. Right. Can we just hire him now? Sure. I'm fine with it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Head coach. Let's lock him in for ten years. Yeah. Because he's going to take over a shit show, whoever whoever he is, if it's him or which I doubt, but you know, <laughs> you it's, heard it it's a great first. pedigree. Yeah, um, probably needs a little more experience, but you know, yeah, at, screw at, it, screw it, whatever. Yeah. I'm sure that's what Arthur Blank's going to do. He's at got this football point. in his blood. Well, the thing that's interesting to me, the, the the question that Arthur has to ask himself now is, what kind of guy does he go with? Does he go with a coach that is, um. You know, an offensive-minded coach. Does he go with a coach like like a, an upstart like Sean McVay? Does he go with some? I doubt he goes with someone like Mike Smith or Dan Quinn, who were brought in based on their defensive pedigree, particularly Quinn. You know, with the success of winning a Super Bowl with, with Seattle. But I mean, I think we've only had two overall top ten defenses, or something like that, or maybe one. I don't know. We we have not had a good defense under any of them collectively. Especially for a long period of time. Well, what do you hire first, a GM or a a GM that can hire a coach? Yes, that's what I would do. I would hire a GM who who goes out and get gets his guy, because I think if you hire a coach first, and then you go after a GM, it's it becomes an awkward situation. I think. Well, I mean, I don't want Arthur hiring. I mean, I want Arthur hiring a good GM and then letting that guy. Do his thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because yeah. I think if you hire the coach first, it, it's putting the cart before the horse, and um, I just don't think that would that would work. Very I just well. don't want Arthur making any football decisions. So if he's not making a football decision, then he wouldn't be hiring the general manager or the coach. Yeah, someone yeah. else do that for him. So you just want him to just sort of just sit there. Yeah, and be the money bags. I think I, I, but would, I don't know who I don't know who you could trust right. to hire the GM. Exactly. I think you I think Matt he, Ryan, Julio I, Jones. I think he has to be the guy who hires the GM, but the GM needs to be the guy that hires the coach. But Arthur has to at least He's gotta have some football people involved. Yeah, yes, I, I I agree with that. And I would like him to take a step back from um, being so much in the public eye. I don't want him to be on the field. I don't want him going to the press saying we need to sign everyone to be a Falcon for life. It's just not a good a good look. He needs to be in the shadows. Be the godfather. Let let the football guys do the football stuff. You can check in. You know, it's your rights, your team. 
but we don't need to have all this shit publicized about, you know, your opinion on things. It just doesn't, it doesn't look good. And in honest, honestly, in some respects, maybe put, I don't want to defend Dimitrov, but it'll probably put him in an awkward you position. lose negotiating power. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it's like, you know, the agent's going to say, well, you know, Arthur said you're going to be, a, you know, my client's going to be a Falcon for life, so fucking make it happen, you little bitch. Who's next for the Falcon for life? Keanu Neal? Not with those injuries, man. I think Arthur said something about Keanu Neal being a Falcon. I mean, I, I, love, I love Keanu, but, you know, we've got to look at the injury history here. Two season-ending injuries in three years. When he's on, he's a great safety, but, you know, that takes a toll on your body. Hopefully Young Waku is the next Falcon for life. Oh, yeah. Let's sign him to a, a big Justin Tucker-style extension. I'd be on board with it. Oh. Yeah, and, you know, the Saints game was, was disgusting from beginning to end. There wasn't really much to be... They were kind of in it. They were kind of in it, but they sort of got in it by the end, end of the game by, you know, recovering those two onside kicks. But it's like when Matt got, you know, when we got the ball back, it was just like, well, of course we know what's going to happen. He's just going to get fucking sacked. You know, there wasn't any confidence there. And it, it was a really ugly game. I mean, it's not like the, the defense played like total trash or anything like that. It was it was that that loss to me was more so on on the offense, um, just not being able to to get any rhythm at all. And, and you know, one thing that's plagued this team this year, that also plagued last teams, or, or <laughs> one thing that's plagued this season's team that also plagued plagued last season's team has been the lack of efficiency running the football. I think we're the twenty seventh worst rushing attack in the NFL, and that just you know it sets your quarterback up to get slaughtered. And we, we didn't really do much to improve our run game, even though we drafted all these running backs. It's like when I see Brian Hill get the ball, there's a burst of speed there that I don't see with Devontae. And I would like to see Devontae just, you know, what he needs to be, they need to switch places on the depth chart. You know, in Madden, when you go in and switch running backs right. out, you need, to, you need to go there, hit X on B Hill, and shoot him up to the number one spot in front of D Freeman. I, I don't see much from Devontae at all, and it's not totally his fault, but, like, we got to start letting, you know, unfortunately we got to see how what these young guys are really made of, and the only way they're going to do that is if they get opportunities, and, and Hill's not getting the opportunity right now. Yeah, I mean, we have to move on from Devontae this offseason. Yeah, even if it's dead money. I just want Brian Hill, Ito Smith. Um, that's fine. Al- Allison. Allison, yeah. There's, there's your running backs. Go to war with them. And you know what? One of those guys can emerge as the true front runner. I'm sure. But never pay them. Never pay them. And then, you know, yeah, always draft a running back every three years to, to be the eventual successor. where this possibility of a Super Bowl went downhill. When Devontae missed that block. Well, that and then giving him all that money. Yeah. I mean, I will say based off his performance, he earned a payday like that. But in reality, you just can't you – can, you cannot pay a running back like that unless he's a once-in-a-generation talent and, and – and even then, that's very risky. And Devontae is not a once-in-a-generation talent. He's not a Ezekiel Elliott. He's not, a, uh, you know, a Christian McCaffrey. You know, Christian McCaffrey right now, I would I would lock him down for whatever, you know, in the next six years. He's been an absolute monster. That's too many years for running backs. It probably is. Maybe you don't do – maybe you just never play running backs no matter how good they I are. I think that – but that, that would be my pitch as a GM. Yeah. As I would say, I'll never, ever, under any circumstance – Ever, I don't care who it is. I won't ever. I don't care if like Walter Payton at age twenty walks in through the door. I will never give a multi-year extension to running back. Rookie contracts, 
Churn them and burn them. Yeah, I mean, that's what the, the, the damn Patriots do. Unless you're James White and you stay around for like 10 years. But, you know, he fills a very nice role and he doesn't demand a lot of money. It's very smart. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't even care about really looking forward to this game against Carolina. You know, you know, you got Christian McCaffrey has had an MVP caliber season. You know, you have uh, DJ Moore, the, the talented number one receiver. Who's, who's had a, a really outstanding last six weeks or so, uh, catching a decent amount of touchdowns, you know, either eclipsing or approaching 100 yards per game. Um, you know, Tampa Bay's defense, I mean, excuse me, uh, Carolina's defense is solid. Uh, I, I, you know, it's, for me... Great. It, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but for me, it's just like, I, I, I don't care about all that stuff. I'd rather just shut down Matt Ryan, shut down Julio Jones. I do not need Matt Ryan to continue to get slaughtered. He looks, he does not look healthy to me. He's make he's doing some things that he is uncharacteristic, and I think it's from him getting killed out there. This is just a classic December meaningless Falcons Panthers matchup. Yes, one team has just sucked all year. The other team has sucked recently and just fired their coach. It's gonna suck to be in that stadium, and it sucks too that Roddy White's getting honored, uh, getting the Ring of Honor on Sunday. There's gonna be. That might be the only reason people go to that game. That makes me kind of want to go, but I, I won't do it. You, you've said that about a lot of games this year. <laughs> I know. Like I've kind of wanted to go all season, but I just... What, what's like, it say about the Falcons that they can't even convince a guy like you to go to a game? And I love year? the Falcons. The Falcons are my blood. Why, I mean, can't, why, why can't you go to any games this year, Graham? Because it's just... Too, too busy in Baltimore? Well, this, yeah, that's one reason. But you know, the other reason is uh, they're just a bad team. I don't, there's no way to justify spending money to go watch them. And I used to, you know, when I was younger, I was like, oh, you know, every, you know, everyone should go to the games and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, football, one of football game is not a, you know, a, a cheap proposition. Even even if you get a cheap ticket, you know, by the time you're done with food and, and liquor and beer and everything, you, you, <laughs> you, you know, you've dropped close to a hundred bucks, if not more, yeah. you know, and it's just like, do I really want to go that and watch a fucking three and nine football team who's sucked all season outside of two games? I don't think so. Could just watch it on the big screen. Pick exactly. Up some, pick up some food, grill it up. Right. Get a case of beer for half the price of one beer. Yeah, I'd rather do that. Switch, which which switch to multiple games. Exactly. Have the have the ticket going on a second TV. Yeah, I'd rather do that honestly. And I, I hate to say that because I I would love to go to you know three or four Falcons games a year, but I I can't. Which I did last season, which also sucked because we were terrible the whole time. <laughs> um. So I don't know. It's 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 really exhausting, and the Hawks aren't helping either. No, the right Haw- now the Hawks seemed like they were after the first couple of games going to take a little Falcons pain away from us, but uh, that's gone the other direction. Yeah, we are in. Uh, are we the worst team in the league? No, that would that, the Warriors? that would be the Warriors who we slaughtered the other night to break a ten game losing streak. Break a ten game losing streak. Um, the Hawks have gone three and seventeen. After uh, starting two and zero, how terrible must John Collins feel? Yeah, it's like everything just broke down after he went out, and it was interesting too. After getting you know crushed in Los Angeles, there was a players only meeting, I believe, where everyone just sort of like talked and you know talked about what was going on and just the lack of defense. 
and it was interesting to read. You know, Vince Carter was was speaking up a lot. Everybody was speaking up about just how you know the commitment to defense wasn't you there. They gave up like 160 points. Yeah, like the commitment to defense wasn't there. Yeah, and it, and it sort of got better in the game against the Pacers, which, which we lost by one point. But it's just we, we we're not getting a consistent defensive effort from from the team. Trey is doing everything he possibly can to to, to keep us in the in, in these games, which is which is really nice to to see. Um, you know, he's averaging close to thirty points and nine assists per game. I mean that's pretty outstanding, particularly yeah. when you consider he's the guy that has to do everything. You know he would have, I'm sure, would be close to aver- averaging twelve, thirteen assists a game if you know, John was in there and, and, and Kevin was People in there. People could finish. Yeah, but he's he's got nothing. And, and not to say Jabari not to say the rest of the team is nothing, but comparatively speaking. But Jabari Parker was supposed to be a bench coming off the bench. Cam Radish was supposed to be coming off the bench. Yeah. Uh, Herder hasn't been healthy all year. As soon as you get, like, I mean, DeAndre Hunter's starting to play better. And then as soon as Herder comes back, DeAndre Hunter's out. Or Reddish is out, one of those two. Yeah. I mean, it's good to see Reddish have put up 25 points last night. Yeah. Uh, we kind of knew he was going to be a project, but he got just tossed into the starting lineup because of all the injuries. So, just hasn't gone our way. No. Fire a training staff, Graham. Must be their fault. Can't no, stay healthy. No. I, I would just. Vince Carter's officially <clears throat> done. No. What, what happened to him? I, no, well, no, well, just. He just. Looks old. Oh, well, sure. He doesn't I mean, look like the piece he was last year. No, he has one toe in, one toe out. Yeah, it seems like he's he's taking more of a, a coach's approach this season. Um, but you know, Vince Carter should be the last of our concerns here. Um, and yeah, we just get bullied around on the inside. You know, our, you know, our best interior player is probably Alex Lynn. You know. Damian Jones is okay, but it's just like we've got we've got superstar Trey Young, serviceable Jabari Parker, Young, Reddish, and, and Hunter, and everyone else is just sort of uh, journeymen or, or players that you know are never going to be anything spectacular or, or close to being you know at even Parker's level. You know, it's 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 uh, frustrating to watch. There's still a lot of potential. And a lot of these guys, and, and there's no reason to, to give up on this regime or, or think that even this is a lost season at this point. You know, there's a lot that can happen. Um, yes. Seeing Torian Prince last night is like, man, that's that's a piece we miss. Yeah, you're, you know, I, I sort of scoffed a little bit at your initial inclination of thinking that you know, Torian was going to leave a big void. I was more concerned about Deadman, which I think was valid. But I think you're abs- you were absolutely right about a guy like Torian who has. A good amount of experience and is a you know a very solid player in the league. I mean, we saw him last night, and uh, it was it was weird just seeing him succeed. He made a, you know he made a couple of shots. I was like, I would you would be really really nice right now. Yeah. Did you see uh, Cam's Euro step he's got going on? Mm-hmm. That thing's pretty sexy. Yeah, yeah. I still think there's he's looking fluid. Yeah, I still think there's a lot to like about about Cam Reddish and. It's just going to take some time. He's shooting like 21% from three. His shot is still just really rough. But And I'm not saying he's going to be Trey Young, but remember how lost Trey looked yeah. last season at the beginning of the year. Hopefully Herder 
I mean, how much? I feel like John Collins has to be back soon-ish. It's going to be sometime in, I think, in another couple weeks. I think he comes back. Maybe we can go on some crazy run. We'll definitely get better. We'll definitely get better. But I've been I've been proud of the way that Trey has played. He's played with a lot of gusto, and he's had to force more shots given the lack of, of uh, reliable personnel around him. But I, you know, the numbers he's putting up are are fantastic, and uh, the effort is is a hundred percent. And I and I it makes me love him even more seeing him in the in the you know being a team that is, is struggling so much, but he's still going out there every night and, and giving it his all and showing why he you know belongs in the national stage. Imagine if you plugged in like uh, Speedy Claxton for Trey Young. Mm. This would be like the worst team. Uh, oh, I, I think we would have won maybe. maybe might, might be winless. Maybe that Warriors. Team. Maybe win that <laughs> game against the Warriors. That's crazy how they've gone from always being the best to uh, – the worst team in the league, just like that. Oh, injuries really hurt them as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard to find a silver line. I'm not going to bullshit and sit here and just say, you know, oh, you know, everything's going to turn out. Everything's going to be fine. The Falcons will be will be good next year. I mean, and, I'll give you credit, Graham. You, you plow through it. Like, for me, Falcons segment would have been, yeah, we still suck. We still need to fire Dan Quinn. Yeah. Next. Right. Hawks. Injuries. We suck. I guess this is a wasted season. Let's trade Jabari Parker. Try to get a late first round pick. Next, yeah. Let's talk about the Braves. Right. Okay. Some positivity. There's some positivity going on. I'm, with the I'm sure you're gonna just. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you talk first. Although I know what you're gonna say. Okay. So let's talk about the stuff we we missed since we we've been around. Of course, like the day we get the podcast out. Uh, last podcast out, we re-signed Chris Martin, which was a big shock to me. I was I was very happy to hear that. Yes, uh, you know, not, not o- Not only because he was a good pitcher for us down the stretch, and we'd probably win that Don't playoff series if he doesn't get hurt. But also, I mean, we did trade Colby Allard for him, and I wouldn't want to just have him gone after one year, mm-hmm. half a season. That would seem like a waste to me. Yeah. So he's coming back for two years. Uh, that's great news. Yeah, bullpen is looking really nice. Um, now that we have him back. I mean, you got you got some some flamethrowers. We got Will Smith. Too. You got Will Smith. You got Martin. We got Martin. You got Melanson. We got Melanson. And hopefully we have Shane Green. All projections are that we have Shane Green. Yeah. Anthopolis isn't trying. He says he's trying to add to this team, not take away. Yeah. So if you have those guys, brought back O'Day. O'Day is another one. Oh, yeah, bullpen is is pretty stacked. Looks good. Looks good on paper. Um, Jacob Whip. Maybe Jake. maybe fill it out with uh, uh, your boy Luke Jackson. American oh, Luke, ja- Luke Jackson's definitely in. Oh God, hundred percent, Luke Jackson. He can be the long reliever. And uh, he, he seriously, he can be the long reliever on, on, a, on, a, on a bullpen like that. You know, he can be the long reliever. Okay. And then uh, probably A.J. Minter fills it out. Or he gets the opportunity to. All right, he gets a chance. Because Sean Newcomb. You think he's going to go back to rotation? Uh, Anthopoulos has said that they're stretching him out. Okay. Giving him a shot to compete for that fifth role. All right. Which I totally agree with, and you don't need him in that bullpen as much anymore. With Smith, Martin, Melanson, Green, O'Day, Jacob, Jackson, Minter. I still love Josh Tomlin though, but I don't think we see Josh Tomlin back. 
You never know. I don't know what his contract status is, but I mean, he was give him a triple A contract. He can be the he can be the second long uh, long term long term uh, pitcher, long term reliever. If Minter blows if Minter's completely dead. Right, slot in Josh Tomlin. There you go. Boom. They should make Just you uh, the general manager. <laughs> That's all it takes. <laughs> or the coach, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then. Got uh, news the other day that we non-tendered Charlie Culberson, which was sad. And a lot of folks on Braves Twitter and around around Braves country were were upset on that about that news. I, you, you got to look at the numbers sometimes. Exactly, Charlie had a lot of fantastic um, moments, but you look at you know him overall. It wasn't like he was a world beater in terms of being a player. Actually, his 2018 season was a lot better than his 2019 season. That 2018 season, he hit 12 homers at a, a 270 average, 326 on base, 466 slugging. You know, nothing outstanding, but he was worth 1.3 WAR. Last year, he was worth 0.1 WAR. Hit 259, had a sub 300 on base, uh, 437 slugging. Uh, he, you know, he did not perform as well overall. That's not to say he wasn't valuable, but you know, this is a this is a bench guy. And if you think about what we have in Johan Camargo, I know he was very up and down last season. And then when he started to get going, he got hurt. But I think, you know, you like him. He's, he's younger than Culberson. Culberson's 30. I know Camargo's in his, in his 20s. Um, having both of them on the roster, considering they're both multifaceted, um, doesn't see, it seems redundant, right? And you would think that on paper, Camargo is the better player overall, and he can provide more value. And he's a better defender. But right now he's your starting third baseman, Graham. Correct. Correct. So that's, that's that's a problem with that. We don't know how that's all going to shake out with Josh Donaldson. No. As, as we saw after, what was that, two episodes ago where you were freaking out about the Braves offseason after we brought back uh, Mark Kakis? Hey, uh, it was more than two weeks ago. That was like a month ago. Well, yeah, when when you were on the verge of tears, talking about how the Braves don't spend any money. Oh yeah, that's it's looking like we are uh, starting to spend more money. Oh, yeah, which was surprising. It is, and the the CEO of of Liberty Media was actually saying he went on MSNBC and they talked about the Braves for a minute. He's like, oh, yeah, we're actually going to spend some money. How the hell are they talking about the Braves on MSNBC? They were just... And were you just flipping through MSNBC? I read an article. I don't okay. know. Yeah, I watch MSNBC all the time. <laughs> I'm an investment fucking genius. <laughs> uh, anyways. But that actually came out. And he's like, yeah, we got some money to spend for the, with the Braves. And I was like, okay, well, shit. Yeah. That's never been said in the history of Liberty Media. How about that? Yeah. So, Colberson out. Colberson out. We got a catcher. We do have a catcher in Travis Darno, who had, uh, who you might remember from when he played on the Mets. He was on that Mets team that won the World Series. Uh, sort of faded a little bit after that, and then uh, got I think went to L.A. last year. Got DFA'd or maybe traded. I can't remember. But he went. He went to the Rays in the second half of the year. Hit 16 homers. Uh, had a really nice season with, with the team overall. Kind of revitalized his career. This is a guy who yeah. he was a first-round draft pick, uh, but the injury bug just derailed him. Yes. Um, so let's hope that he's healthy now. And I, I think it's a little bit of an under-the-radar signing. I well, think it's an improvement of the McCann-Flowers battery. Yeah, if you look at, you know. And the Suzuki-Flowers battery. It, it could be, but if if you – 
really look at the catchers that were out there in free agency. Pretty much that Grandall, who I think went to the Brewers or White Sox, White Sox whatever. Shoot a ton of money. Yeah. Um, and then next in line was Darno. Yeah. And unless you can find a, a team that's willing to part with a high-profile catcher, this was the best you're going to do. And you know that that second half of the season, he really did pick it up big time, particularly in July. Hit three forty two, four twenty five, seven eleven, with a one point one three six on on base plus slugging, and had a solid rest of the season after that. That um, really contributed a lot to the Rays' run to the postseason. It is a little, you know, if you look at his career overall. Um, you know, that 2015 season was probably his best year, and he sort of has, has fallen off a cliff since then. Uh, it might be a little steep to give him a two-year, $16 million deal, but at the end of the day, it's not really a uh, – it's not something that's going to kill you. You didn't invest a lot of money. It's, it's not like you – you know, Grandal, if he doesn't perform up to expectations, that could be an albatross of a contract. It's like four years, 70 or $80 million or whatever. Right. With Darno, you can have him for two years, $16 million. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah, that's one thing I, I have liked a lot with Anthopolis is, is particularly with guys that are, you know, getting older. He's not going to give them a long-term deal unless he's very certain about them. And he hasn't done that so far in his, his Braves career. Uh, you know, he has extended guys, you know, Ozzy and, and Acuna. They've been young players that you know you're building around for, for the long term. And, Graham, you'll be happy to know that – Travis Darno had over twice the war of your boy Kurt Suzuki last year, which is saying something considering that his total war for 2019 <laughs> was just one. Yes, <laughs> Kurt Suzuki, who a couple weeks ago you were raving about, oh, was how raving he was at a point four war last year. Well, he's a hell of a lot better than Travis Flowers or Tyler Flowers. <laughs> I don't remember Flowers' name. He had such a bad season. Uh. <laughs> I was hoping you weren't going to be looking at Darno's war. I just know Darno's war. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's logged in my brain. Okay. I didn't know that. Um, but, yeah, I think this is a decent move, and uh, hopefully he can be the full-time catcher and Flowers catches you know, a couple times a week. Upgrade over – oh, yeah, I already said upgrade over McCann. Yeah, for sure. And then we get to – uh, yesterday, Cole Cole Hamels. By the time people listen to this, two days ago, we, we signed Cole Hamels one year deal, eighteen million dollars. Um, that was pretty interesting to me. Um, like I like we were talking about the other day. I was like, I wish it was ten years ago. But he's a name that was on our radar. He's a name that's on our radar, and he's had very an excellent career, and even in his older age, has continued to perform pretty well. He actually, you know, with the the Cubs last season, the first half of the year, he did, you know, he was superb. He had a sub three ERA. Um, you know, he was carving people up, and then he had an oblique issue when his ERA in the second half of the the season ballooned to like five seven nine. He had an awful September. I think it was like six three three. His whip was bad, walking people. And but the, one of the reasons for that was he's having to adjust his mechanics due to the oblique injury. So. You hope that he can regain that first half uh, look he had last season. One of the concerns I have with Hamels overall, though, is he's had oblique issues two of the last three seasons. So you got to wonder 
if that's going to rear its ugly head again next year. Not getting younger. He's, what, 35, 36? 36. So, Tammy Moore pitched till he was 49. Yeah, but he was awful. Um, oh, that's not true. He was awful by the end. He, Jamie Moore at 36, I bet, was a beast. I don't know. I'm not going to look that up. But uh, I'm just going to look that up while I go in some <laughs> random meandering diatribe. Uh, I mean, overall, I think, you know, bringing a, a, a guy like Hamels in does two things. It, it strengthens your rotation, and it allows him, especially considering he's one of the all-time great left-handers over the last, I'd say, 10 years or so, to mentor Max Fried in particular as a left-hander and Soroka, even though Soroka's not a left-hander. I still think that this is a, a, a good move for this year and a good move long-term. I just worry a little bit about that that oblique issue. What are you, a doctor now, Grant? Well, I'm just saying, you have an oblique issue two of the last three seasons that have drastically affected your your your, your performance. You can't not look at that and say, no wonder if that's going to happen again. For those of you wondering, Jamie Moyer at 40 went 21-7 and seven with a 327 ERA. I don't care about the wins, but uh, <laughs> good ERA. Right, what, what stats would you like to hear on? Uh, whip. Whip. Whip, 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 whip. WP? W-I-H. Or W-I-H. <laughs> W-I-H. W-H-I-P. All right, which year do you want to know? Uh, 41.233. That's solid. Uh, at 38, he was a 1.102. Okay. Uh, well, okay. At 43, he was a 1.091 whip. So, All right, so shows what, shows what so I know. So 36 is a young buck. All right. Let's lock him in for five years. Jesus Christ, let's not do that. Now everybody has the longevity of Jamie Moyer. Well, they're both lefties. They both pitched for the Phillies. I see a trend. Yeah. I, well, hmm. I, I love, in seriousness, I love uh, having Max Fried learn from him. Yeah, like I said, we were looking up Jamie Moyer's stats. Oh, you already talked about yes, that? Yes, I did. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I tuned you out, Crab. I, I, I know you're. You're did very. You mentioned the Freed piece specifically. I did. I said mentorship. Be, yes, to the young pitchers. I, I did. I also oh, mentioned. Oh, oh, I also oh, mentioned did Soroka. You, did you mention? Even though he's not a left-hander. Did you mention eating up innings? I did not. He's mention, still a guy I, that could pitch 200 innings. I don't think he's going to. He's not going to be our ace, Graham. We don't need. He, he, uh, we don't need him to be an ace. Well, the thing he's is, be like a three or four. And that's okay if you know if you get what you were getting last year out of Freed and Soroka, and um, you know if Newcomb can regain his form, and then you have Hamill's slot in there. I and then you have Fulty. As well, it's a solid rotation. Yeah, but then I also wonder wonder what you know we do with uh, with Newcomb. Well, I think Nuke. Didn't you just say Newcomb's the five? Let's see. You got Soroka. I got it written down right here, Graham. Soroka, Freed, Hamels, Hamels, Fulty, Fulty, Newcomb. Newcomb. There you go. And then you have, but you have guys battling with Newcomb, such as your Kyle Wrights, Ian Anderson. Uh, we'll see if Ian Anderson's there. Uh, Tukey is still around. I can't believe how That's your boy. far he fell off. It's a precipitous fall last year for Tukey. Ian Anderson, I hope we see him at some point this year. Yeah. Um, and as we know, Graham, most major league teams don't just roll out five starters for the entire season. You know, it's probably never happened in the history of baseball. Yeah. So, um, But overall, you like the Hamill signing. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's good. I'm I wasn't just, listening to what you said. Well, I know you. I, I yeah. got a general positive vibe. You are from you. I, I think overall, I do. I uh, and I don't hate. And that's the great thing about a one-year deal, like we were saying. It's like if it backfires, he's, he's, off, the he's off the books, and you have enough depth in your um, in your farm system. You hope, and you have a smart enough GM that can go in there and make a trade for you that you can supplant him if need be. I, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Anthopolis, you just never know with him. Like, we could still make a move potentially for a another starter. Right. You never know. Alex Wood's still out there. Alex Wood's still out there. Bumgarner's still out there. I don't think we're going to get Bumgarner. No, I think, yeah, I think we're out of that running. Yeah, which I'm okay with considering his age, honestly, and injury issues. But you'd be excited had. if it happened. I mean, I know he's only like 29, but yes, do, I would do, be. Do I need to mention Jamie Moyer again, Graham? But Jamie Moore didn't have the injury history that either one of these guys have has. So are you talking about Hamels and his obliques? Yes, and Bumgarner riding ATVs during the season and breaking his elbow or the hell he did that one year. Mm. Um, Can't say I remember that one. Yeah, that was pretty stupid. So, which also brings us now to the Braves have spent close to a hundred million dollars on free agent signings so far. We've this been year. by far been the most active team. Yeah, I'd say overall. There's still a lot of dominoes to drop, though. There hasn't been a really major signing yet. You know, your Garrett Coles or something. But Anthopoulos is going out and getting his people now. Yes. And possibly overpaying for some of them. Yes. Because that's what you got to do to get your folks. But if you look at all of these all of these guys, you know, I mean, I don't know who you could argue that he really overpaid for. Um, you look at Hamels, you could argue that maybe it was a little bit of an overpay, but you know his pedigree speaks for itself. Will Smith was a really that's, good. That's a lot to pay for a reliever. Yeah, three years, thirty-four million, but he's been pretty, you know, pretty argue, solid over his whole career. Argue giving Darno a second year as an overpay? Yeah, I mean you could say that, but it's nothing to the point where you're like, oh man, we just gave BJ Upton five years for seventy-five no. million. There's Which, nothing like that. I don't, I don't think that's ever going to happen for us. Like a crazy free agent contract like that. We have too many young, controllable guys to like. We can just keep doing these one, two year. You could villains. You could. Um, but we still. You can see the roster taking shape. Oh, the pitching staff. Yes, I'd like to see. Yeah, we have one glaring hole on well, this team. To me, outfield still has to be accounted for because right now Marquez is still your pretty much your starter. Until you know, proven differently, and third base, in particular. If we go out and I see tomorrow that we sign Josh Donaldson, mm-hmm. I'm cool going to the season with that roster. I don't. I don't think you're not going to get a marquee outfielder and Josh Donaldson. You could make a trade. You could. I would say it would be really nice if we traded for maybe a David Peralta from Arizona or something, somebody like that. Well, say goodbye to Fulte. <laughs> say goodbye you don't. to um, one of our top outfield prospects. For David Peralta? Yeah. He had a very down year, but he's a good player. Yeah, the trade market's a bitch, Graham. I, it's not there's no way you're I, giving up a top I, out, I, like Pache and Fulte for David Peralta. If you made that deal, you would be fired. If I were <laughs> a baseball GM, I would say I never, under ever any circumstances, do I make trades 
for subpar outfielders that are going to cost you an arm and a leg, Graham. And that's what David Peralta is going to he's, cost you. He's not going to cost you an arm. When you already have Adam Duvall on your team, and that's all you need. Adam Duvall is going to rise above everybody, Graham. Yeah, okay. You've been shitting on Duvall for a He's year a subpar a player. But he's going to get his opportunity this year. We've seen we have enough of a track record to know that he is a subpar. We don't, Graham. We do. He is a sub 300 on base. He hits 220 and plays decent defense, and he can hit some home runs, but he strikes out a lot, doesn't walk a lot. He's not a guy you want in there every day. If we have Donaldson in that lineup with this pitching staff, I can make the outfield work. Maybe Austin Riley steps up. Maybe Camargo steps up. Maybe Pache is ready by June or July. Yeah, that's another thing. I don't want to go trade any of these young bucks for some loser outfielder. He's not a loser. The only trade I'm. He had 30 home runs. Here's the only big trade I'm making this offseason, Graham. If. The Josh Donaldson sweepstakes gets crazy because he might wait out Rendon because the once the people lose out on Rendon, Josh Donaldson's there. I he, think he could get way too much money. I think Donaldson goes before Rendon. Okay. Yeah. Well, either way, okay. if the <laughs> if, if it gets too crazy, yeah. the trade I do make and maybe a part with a Fulty, maybe a part with. Why do you want to part with Fulty so much? Why is he at the top of your parting with list? You're going to have to. I'm just telling you. Uh, Chris, Chris Bryant. I don't want Chris You don't want Chris Bryant? No. We need a damn power bat behind Freddie. Yes, I would agree with that. And if we don't get Josh Donaldson, the Cubs are open to trading Chris Bryant. I mean, you'd have to give up a shit ton for him. You'd, yeah, I'm telling you, you'd give up Fulty. You'd give up uh, Drew Waters. Yeah. And he's and, had, and a second tier uh, pitching prospect. Yeah, and Boom. he's he's starting to de- it seems seemingly decline a little bit. His health isn't where it was. Has uh, he got a bad oblique too, Graham? I can't remember what was bothering him, but 2018 he missed you know damn near 60 games, or he did miss 60 games in 2018. 2019 he played a full season, actually had a pretty decent year. Um, I mean, he's he's a dynamic, powerful player. I mean, if you can make a deal for him. I'm not going to. I'm not going to be upset you're, about. You're it. over here proposing trading Fulty for David Peralta. You're, you're proposing trading Fulty for David Peralta. Who I are said, you going to trade for Peralta? Someone that's not in his fucking range. Okay, well, you're not getting David Peralta. David Peralta would also be just like a one or two year player. So is Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant would hopefully be. If you're trading for Chris Bryant, you want him here for longer than that. Especially if you're giving up premier prospects like a Pache or Waters or Fulty. Uh, we were just obsessed <laughs> about getting with. You yeah. gotta go with Fulte if you, you want anybody. Fulte's gone, Graham. It's fine. Jesus Christ. Fulte's gone, but we can plug in uh, Alex Wood in Fulte's spot and we'll be okay. No. Yep. Wood suck. is in. So you want Fulte. four left handers? Uh, potentially, yes. Right, yeah. okay. That's what I'm saying. General Manager Kalal over here. No, I like it. I might send this, uh, send this little, my little notepad to AA. I mean, if you make a, if you make a deal for Brian, I'm not going to be upset about it. I just wonder about, once again, the health, but I think he might need a change of scenery in Chicago potentially. However, one thing that did suck was 
you know, your sort of fallback plan if you don't get Donaldson. Mike Moustakis is off the market. Yeah, that's he, a bummer. He goes to the Reds in a four-year deal. Yeah, that's why Chris Bryant's on my board now, Graham. Yeah, well, that's fair. I mean, I think we both kind of assume Moustakis was the fallback. Why, why would you want to go to a Cincinnati? I, I get they have a good roster, but they're a loser ball club. I don't even think they had that great of a roster, honestly. I mean, you got aging Joey Votto. You have no really dynamic pitchers. Eugenio Suarez. Yeah, he's solid. He's damn good. Uh, you got that one guy from, who used to be on the Mar- Derek Dietrich, who's now like a, a freaking beast who sucked on the Marlins, which is kind of funny. They've got that Cozart. Isn't he good again? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think we know the Reds. We don't know the Reds. We know the Braves, Graham. We don't even know the Braves that well. They've, oh, they got that uh, that ace pitcher who's a beast. They do. They do have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy is. Uh, he's great. I don't know what you're talking about. They do have that one. Uh, they're, they're, I know their closer who succeeded Chapman's pretty good. I don't know his name off the top of my head. But yeah, it is frustrating that Mustakas isn't there anymore. And now you got to wonder about Donaldson. Now he just won Comeback Player of the Year. Who really gives a shit? Um, about that, honestly. I mean, it's good for him, but yeah, it probably makes his value go up a little bit. Who's that? Donaldson. Donaldson? Sure. I'm busy looking. Uh, Luis Castillo. Luis right? Castillo. Yeah. And they have Trevor Bauer. Not bad. Sonny Gray. He's, yeah. I mean, he, he, he was great once he went to Cincinnati. He wasn't great. Or maybe it's Iglesias I'm thinking of as the good starter. Anyways, Graham. Yeah, you want to start a Cincinnati podcast? Talk Kev- about the Bengals. Gos- Let's talk about the Bengals now, too. They have Kevin Gossman. The corpse of Kevin Gossman. He pitched a, he did pitch a miraculous inning. Sonny Gray actually did year. have a pretty good season yeah. in Cincinnati. Yeah, he did. All right, I think we just got to start talking about Cincinnati sports now. <laughs> it's the only way. They've got a couple interesting pieces going on yeah. over there. What the hell are you talking about? I don't know. I was saying with Donaldson winning the comeback player of the year, his you know he's probably going to ask for even more money. Yeah, I mean he's thirty three. I mean I'd be fine bringing Donaldson back for three years, seventy five mil. If that's what he wants, you bite the bullet, I guess. 100%. I mean, I think the concern is he wants that fourth year. I don't I don't see that happening. Yeah, then you someone at, would someone else would give him the fourth then, year. What are you looking at? Four year, not for surely not four year 100 million dollars, maybe four year 80 million dollars? Mm. I don't know. That's that's too much. That, that doesn't phase up. I don't know, Graham. It's not my money. I hope they spend it. Yeah, we'll see. It's uh, it is a little a little concerning, but you know another guy that would love to try and trade for is Francisco Lindor. I think if you did that, then you would have to give up Fulty, Fulty and Dansby and Drew Waters. Would you make that move? Probably. I think I would too. Lindor is the real deal, man. His defense is in the range of of, of Dansby, and he's a much better offensive player. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, the the Indians still have him and Kluber, and I think they're kind of in rebuilding mode. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I, I, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if Anthopoulos goes out and gets another starter still. So who, who knows? Who the hell knows what's going to happen? GM meetings are just coming up. I really yeah, did, I, we haven't even gotten to the winter meetings. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I really did think Donaldson would be signed before the winter meetings like he did last it year. Still could happen. I tell you what, old tight-lipped Alex Anthopoulos. You never hear about any of this shit he's doing until no. it happens. And I love it too. He's like he'll always talk about something he's, or if he says something's fine, he's going to go out and make a move for it. 
Yeah. Which is which is kind of cool. I think what I've learned in uh, growing older, Graham, baseball rumors are the dumbest shit ever. It's just to keep people talking. I, like I used to look at like think so much whatever Buster Olney says. I was like, oh, that's got to be right. No, it's just all bullshit. It's speculation. Like, I mean, even if you have sources. Like, it doesn't mean that what someone's planning to do is going to happen. Right. Or you can just be speculating. Because, like, Buster Olney, like, as soon as we signed Hamels, he said something about Braves are still in the Bumgarner sweepstakes. Just think. That's not going to happen. Yeah, he's just he's just getting that to rile people up, probably. Yeah, we, we already have. I mean, we just notched off seven potential starters for us. And Anthopolis isn't going to overpay for a guy like that and give him four or five years, which is what he wants. Probably not. And cash strap himself. Because if you do that, you probably, your, your third base is fucked. You got to think in terms of having a balanced team, you got to fill that void at third base. And maybe that, and, and you can't say with certainty that that void can be filled by Austin Riley right now, considering what happened with him last year. Right. So the likelihood of a Bumgarner move is is slim, I would say, at this point. Unless we really do have way more money than, you know, we anticipate, which the hell knows. The CEO just said we're going to spend money, and so far they've spent $98 million in free agency. So There you go. Maybe Liberty, Liberty Media is not the worst owners in the history of professional sports. We'll see. Much, much there is still to be done. But you've got to be pretty damn happy with what's happened so far. I'm pleased overall. I'll take that. I, I'm, I'm not like jumping for joy. Graham, how do you pronounce <laughs> this word? Uh, Melanson. Nice. You finally figured it out. Melanson. <laughs> it's locked in there. Yeah. I, I, I got it. No more melon cones. No more melon cones. Well, Adam, I think this wraps up this episode of Atlanta Zone. Do you have anything else you want to say before we sign off? It's a lot more fun talking baseball than depressing basketball. Depressing Falcons and Hawks. Depressing for different reasons, but depressing nevertheless. Yes. We should have started with the Braves. Yeah. We probably lost everybody by this point. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Put put a preface to skip to. Skip to uh, the the last 10 minutes. All right. Well, everyone, thanks again for listening. I hope you've had a great holiday season so far. Until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. That's what Thomas said. That's what Thomas said.